Father, we thank you that we have received something that is worth our living for, worth our dying for. We thank you for salvation, for Jesus Christ. We thank you for what we have ahead of us, for all who are in Jesus Christ. That this world is not all there is. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live each day in light of who you are and who we are in you. We pray that you would help us to learn that from your word as we study together this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11 this morning. I invite you to turn there in your Bible if you haven't already. And this uh, section is basically the conclusion of what we looked at last week in chapter 6, verses 1-8, through 8, 1 Corinthians. And these verses that we look at this morning could have been uh, all a part of that same message, um, but I knew that we were pushing it on time already with eight verses that we looked at. And so I saved this part for this week. And I'll try to show you how it ties into what we looked at last week. But these verses here also stand fairly well on their own because they show us how the, the overall principles that were in the verses last week are really about every part of life. It's not just about lawsuits among believers, as those first eight verses of chapter 6 focused on. Uh, there's more to it than that. This is really about your way of life as a Christian. I want to remind you of a little of that context of what we looked at last week to get us going in the right direction. Uh, back in verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, sets up a contrast that carries on through verse 11. Verse 1 says, Does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare to go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Now Paul says there in verse 1 that there are two groups of people. In this world, there are the saints and there are the unrighteous. There are those who are a part of the body of Christ, the saints. They're believers in Christ. There are those who are following Christ. They have repented of their sins. They have put their trust in Jesus alone and they have spiritual life. The Holy Spirit is indwelling them. He has changed them. And then, on the other side, there are those who are outside of the church who do not have Christ. They don't have spiritual life within them. They have not been made new. They are the unrighteous. And the whole point of, of that comparison or contrast being why would someone who is numbered among the saints take a disagreement with another believer to an unbeliever to ask them to settle the dispute? Why would that ever happen? 
And we looked at that in quite a bit of detail through verse 8 with his one rhetorical question after another showing that Paul could not believe this was happening in the church in Corinth. It should not have been. And this was not a minor issue. Paul was livid about it. There was righteous anger in those verses that this would be the kind of life that was being lived by professing believers in the church in Corinth. And we really get down to why this was so important to Paul. And because we believe that this is the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, we could just as well say why this is so important to God in verses 9-11. through 11. This is why Paul was angry that this was going on. There's a bigger picture here that they were missing. It's much bigger than just making sure that you've gotten a fair business deal or making sure that your personal rights as a Roman or American citizen have not been infringed upon. There's a bigger perspective that they should be taking into consideration. And here's what they must have been missing. Verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a big deal. Don't you understand that? Don't you remember? The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now this is talking about the same unrighteous from back in verse 1. Same people in view here. These are the people, the professing Christians in the church in Corinth, were going to and trusting to make things right. And there's a disagreement between believers. They went to those unrighteous and put their trust in them to make things right. But there is so much more going on in life, in this world, than money and personal rights, personal property. There's so many more important things, so much more that should be our focus than something so minor, something that is just going to burn. If you are in Christ, you are different from the world. You are different in a big way. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, it should obviously follow that you don't live your life like the world does. And when someone in the world has a disagreement with someone else, what do they do? They take them to court. That's the way it was done in Corinth. That's the way it's done in our country today. But Paul says that's not for the church. We're different. We have different priorities. We're headed in a different direction. 
How different are our priorities? How different is our direction as Christians than the rest of the world? Well, Paul says the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's think about what that means. This, this is big. This has eternal implications. In life, you are on one of two roads. You can't be on both, and there are only two. You're on one or the other. One road that is with Christ leads to sharing in the inheritance of the kingdom of God. The other road without Christ leads to an eternity in hell. That's a big difference. Eternal difference. The difference between eternity in heaven, eternity in hell. Today, we as Americans, we live in a divided nation. Very divided, currently. Becoming more divided by the day, it seems. With the one and only question that seems to be asked in our nation that makes the division which political party do you line up with? And that question is what commonly defines friends or enemies, allies or enemies in our country. But that question does not come anywhere close to this one in terms of importance. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is seen as the most important division and issue in our nation today does not hold a candle to this. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Paul goes from that rhetorical question to a list of several very sad but very common sins. This is a category or a catalog of things that would pretty much describe the average Corinthian, including those who are in charge of the courts, just as this is a catalog of things that would describe the average American today. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators. And that's talking about someone who is involved in sexual sin of, of any kind, anything outside of biblical marriage, which is one man, one woman, till death do they part. Any sexual thing outside of that is included in that word of fornication. Someone whose life, whose life is characterized by that sin is a fornicator nor idolaters. That's anyone who puts anything ahead of God in their love and allegiance. We're told in Scripture that because of who God is, God is to be first in everything, always and forever. And anything else is idolatry. Nor adulterers. Someone who does not remain faithful to their spouse. Nor effeminate. It's talking about men who try to be women. 
nor homosexuals in any sexual relationship between men with men and women with women, nor thieves to those who take what is not theirs, nor covetous those who wish they could take what is not theirs, nor drunkards, someone who is controlled by some substance, nor revilers, people who destroy others with their tongues, nor swindlers, so those who they don't take what doesn't belong to them by physical force, they take it by cheating people. As you look through that list, and we cannot, should not think that any of those are not a big deal. Because, after all, everybody does it. And we just described basically everybody you've ever known. So it's apparently no big deal. But Paul says, God says, this is a very big deal. He says that those whose lives are characterized by these sins, the door of the kingdom of God is closed to them. They will not enter it. They will not have a part in it. They're headed for an eternity in hell. And that's one group of people in this world. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 describes the other group of people in this world. Such were some of you. So you've got the group of the unrighteous headed for eternity in hell. You've got a group of the saints made up of those who were on the road of the unrighteous. Such were some of you. Now, those are some very hope-filled words. You think about that list in verses 9 and 10 and come to verse 11. Such were some of you. you. Keep that phrase in mind. We're going to come back to that. Such were some of you. But you were washed. Though you were dirty defiled by all of those same kinds of sins, you've been made clean. You were washed. But you were sanctified. That means set apart. For once you were a part of that crowd, you fit right in there. The, the world as it was headed toward hell, you were on that road and you fit there. But you've been sanctified. You are set apart from that. Set apart for God, for God's glory, for God's purposes. You now belong to Him. And as you were sanctified, you are now being sanctified. The Holy Spirit living in you, changing you from the inside, you're being made different. You're changing more and more from what you used to be to becoming more like Christ. But you are justified. You were made right with God. You were transferred over to the other road. The one that leads to an inheritance of the kingdom of God. You were God's enemy. Now you are his friend. Once things were not right between you and God. But now you are a part of his family. How did that happen? 
Verse 11. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. As you notice in verse 11, all of these things it says happened to them. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. This, he doesn't say that, well, there came a point in time when you decided to turn over a new leaf. When you decided to try a little harder, to be a little better person, to stop doing those sins and try to live right. You got yourselves cleaned up from what you used to be in. Now, because you've done so well, you're going to share in that inheritance. It's not what he says. He says, this is what God did. These things happened to you. You were dirty, but you were washed. You were a part of that road that was leading to hell, but you were sanctified. You were an enemy of God, but you were justified by God's grace. You didn't deserve it. God did it to you. When they transferred their faith from themselves and living for sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone and began to follow him. These are the things that God did. God did these things in your lives. So if you are in Christ, you are no longer what you once were. And this is the one difference between all people on earth that puts us into one of those two categories. The most important difference in all of creation for all of eternity. It's not about who you voted for last November. It's not about your financial status. It's not about any of the ways of man in this life. What it really comes down to is this. Are you in sin without Christ? Or are you in Christ and cleansed from your sin? That is the difference with eternal significance. And from that perspective, what is it that really matters in this life? What is it that is worth your living and dying for? Now, by the, the believers in the church in Corinth taking each other to court to have unbelievers settle their differences, they were telling those unbelievers that the most important thing there is is money. Or their rights. Their relationship in the church and caring about each other and serving each other so they could carry out the mission that God has given to the church. It's not as important as money. That's what they were saying by their actions. And basically what their actions were telling the unbelievers around them was we're just the same as you. We value the same things you do. You are just fine. Carry on as you are. And I think that we should ask ourselves, what do our actions as believers in Jesus Christ and the way we live our lives tell the world around us really matters? As I mentioned last week, praise the Lord, I don't know of any lawsuits going on in this body of Christ. But what about the way you live from day to day? What are you telling the world 
is important to you. By your life, would the people who know you well say that what really matters to you is that some people are going to inherit the kingdom of God and some are going to go to hell forever? Does your life show that that's an important matter to you? What is it in this life that you're willing to fight and suffer for? What are you willing to lose friends over if they don't agree with what you're saying? If they don't agree with your position? What are you willing to lose those relationships over? When you study the life of the Apostle Paul, who is a good example for us to follow as he followed Christ, we find that he was willing to risk it all for the sake of the gospel. There's one account in the book of Acts when Paul was stoned at Lystra, pummeled with rocks, left for dead. They thought he was dead. By God's grace, he survived. And this as soon as he was able to get up, he went to find more people to share the gospel with. The reason he had been stoned, pummeled with those rocks was because he was sharing the gospel in Leicester, and people didn't like it. He was cutting into their business. They hated him. They wanted to kill him because of the gospel. He didn't let that stop him. The very next thing he did, as soon as he had the strength to do it, find someone else to share the gospel with. He was willing to fight and to suffer and to lose friends if it was necessary to proclaim the truth of the gospel for the glory of God, for the salvation of sinners, because that's what matters. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's important. That's an important thing to know. We should take that into consideration in the decisions we make in life. If you know that, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. You should be living like that's a problem. And like you would like to see their status change. But as it was for the professing believers in the church in Corinth, sometimes it was kind of hard to tell which camp they were in. That seems to be another part of what Paul is getting at in these verses. If you look again at verse 8, he says, On the contrary, you yourselves wrong and defraud. You do this even to your brethren. And go right into verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So he's saying you're doing the same thing the unrighteous do. So where exactly do you stand? Which road are you on? You profess to know Christ, but in this, your actions seem to fit better with those who have no inheritance in Christ. This is a problem. Paul is giving them an opportunity here to, to test themselves, as we should. 
Which road are you on? We should ask ourselves, is the way that I am living consistent with the fact that I believe I'm going to inherit the kingdom of God? That I am going to reign with Christ? And the reward that I am living for is yet to come in the next life. So the temporary things of this life are not the things that define me. They're not the things that I live for. I'm concerned for the future of those who are without Christ and are headed for a Christless eternity. Can you honestly say that? Is that true of you? Of your desires, the way you live? Or does it look like you're hoping in the same thing that everyone else is hoping in? Is there only... Two roads in life. Only two kinds of people in the world. There are the saints. There are the unrighteous. Give some serious thought to which category you fit in. And when you do that, if you would find that you must be in the unrighteous category. Be encouraged by verse 11. There were people in the church in Corinth who were, past tense, characterized by some of those very sins, verses 9 and 10. The city of Corinth was known far and wide as a city of immorality. I have no doubt that there were believers in the church in Corinth who used to worship at the temple of Aphrodite. That would mean that there were people in the church in Corinth who had been idolaters. And let's be honest, everybody in the church in Corinth had been an idolater, whether or not they worshipped at the temple of Aphrodite. But some of them very clearly were bowing down to a false god. That would have included things like fornication and adultery probably even homosexuality because those were things that were involved in the worship at that temple any number of those other things in verses 9 and 10 such were some of you but they were washed they were sanctified They were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the spirit of our God. Such were some of you. It's very significant. That Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is sufficient to forgive any and every sin. You have not out-sinned God's grace. His grace is sufficient to make you clean. No matter how dirty you've gotten. Because of Christ, everything can be forgiven. His sacrifice is sufficient. If you turn to Him in repentance and faith, while there is still time, you will be made clean. You will be forgiven. No matter what you've done, God's grace is sufficient. 
as long as you are still alive, there is still time to turn to Christ. But not a single one of us is guaranteed another breath. So don't wait. If you find that you are on that road leading to destruction, that you are without Christ, today is the day, now is the time to come to Christ. Receive His forgiveness. Put your trust in Him alone. If you are a part of the body of Christ, we must be careful about how we are representing Christ to this world. We must be careful about what we are showing the world matters. Is it just about money? Is it just about our comfort? Is it about our politics? What is it that really matters? It's the eternal things. Is that what we're showing them by the life that we live? 